Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, business, and more. My name is Aaron Goff, owner of Goff Custom Knives, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Frank, from the Frank Brothers Guitar Company. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you doing, buddy? I am a tired boy. Oh, tired, I mean, you're grumpy boy. You're still at your shop. I have, uh, for those of you who don't know, we, we uh, have this going on video as well. I mean, it's not public but i have a love or what would be a lovely view of aaron's shop if aaron's face wasn't in the way of it yes yes it's made worse by my face but yes normally i'm at home normally Mm -hmm. i go home and record from there but no the last couple of weeks yeah i've worked like over 80 hours in the last seven days oh wow um yeah that's a lot i'm cranking through orders for christmas good for you um there's a knocking going on in uh i don't know what it is it's probably me shaking my shaking my knees. It stopped now. Oh yeah. So you just you've been you're eighty hours deep and uh how many cups of coffee? I am so fueled by coffee. Last night I had to go home because I kind of came to awareness that I'd just been staring at the wall for about twenty minutes mm. and it was about seven PM and no amount of coffee was was perking me up. So Yeah, at a certain point home. coffee stops helping. Yes. Yeah. And you have to know when to, uh, you know, if you don't go home when you need to, then um, you might go home with less fingers. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's been with, crazy. Um, busted product. Scrap. Exactly. Yes. I've, I've gone home with scrap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks. I've been very productive uh, to the point that I've been able to clear out all of my back orders and then actually take some new orders um i will be taking another round of orders tomorrow which should still be shipping two people in time for christmas that's unreal that's like nine days away yeah 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 well luckily for for my shipping in the united states uh i only need like two days that's pretty good so i'm gonna cut everything off on the 20th and then i'm gonna collapse and not move for like two days Excellent. Are you taking some time off during the holidays? Yes. Yeah. And and part of the motivation for for the massive push was, a, I haven't made enough money this year, so I have to, you know, push to make some extra money. Try and end the year with no debt would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to be able to you know take time off without a backlog, without having to think about that. You know? Yeah. Actually, be able to take time off and relax. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it should be interesting. How are things with you? Good. Yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, working lots too. Mm-hmm. As usual. I mean, you, you know, 60 or 70 hours a week isn't unusual for you, is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really think about it, but we work too late. Like I do, we do eight and a half hours or, I mean, we start at 930 and we end at six. Those are our shop hours. Right. And then Tim and I work late uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. Uh, and then um, I lose an hour talking to you, <laughs> which I count as work. Worth it. <laughs> um, that's what really exhausts me. Now, and, right. But, um, you know, uh, Catherine has been working shift like she's my wife's back working. Um, she's off mat leave. And yeah, and working. she works as a nurse, right? Yeah. And she's got shift work. So it's like crazy hours. It's totally weird. So it's thrown off my routine. <laughs> Right. So now I'll just work when I can work. Like when it's a, when I can work late, I'll work late. And sometimes I'm working now. I'm like almost working more. Cause it's like, right. If I can work late three, three nights in a week, I'll, I'll just do it. Right. I kind of like working late. You know, I'm, I'm like pretty efficient and pretty productive after everyone's gone. 
Yeah, I agree with you about the, like when I was working in software, that would, I, I was like the only person in the office that knew the, the nighttime cleaners because I would yeah. still be there when they would get there. And I agree that's a very productive time, but I don't like doing it because I have to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the zone and you're just cruising and, and it feels natural, then that's great. But, you know, if you're like, oh God, I'd rather be anywhere else and you're forcing yourself to do it, it's yeah. a lot less fun. Yeah. Um, but no, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been just cruising along with production. Um, so it hasn't been like absolutely necessary, but we kind of just are used to doing that. And, right. Uh, I like it, but yeah, we've been, um, we, I, I've been loving batch work. Oh I've yeah. Just, I've been doing like 10 guitars, like, uh, per batch. It's been pretty I mean, sweet. Um, nice. still, we still have some of this custom stuff that we're like, we're trying to stop taking on that right. is slowing that down or making that a little bit more challenging. What do you but, mean by custom stuff in this? Well, so, somebody, I mean, all your guitars are custom. So. They are, they're customized, but sometimes mm. people will want like a, something engraved on the back of the headstock. Right. Something that's customized outside of your normal range of customizable options. Yeah. Custom can mean like you get to choose the top color, the the wood types of wood, like right. whether, the you know, there's binding or no binding, what kind of inlays it has. But right. those are all within, you know, uh, the normal offerings. But it, right. you so know, if someone very- comes along and they're like, I want an arcade ultralight in a you know, flying V shape. <laughs> yeah, that we say no to. <laughs> but somebody will be like, I want my name engraved in the back of the headstock. And now we've got to, you know, right. do that. Make a custom <laughs> process for doing it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So we're, we're, we're slowly, no is our new favorite word. We're, we keep joking about that. Um, we still have like a trillion options. So we're, we really don't have to say no that often. Uh, it's just, or we give really long lead times for that sort of stuff. Right. Um, you know what? No is a very important word. Yeah. Uh, no is and a very respect important it. word. A lot of people yeah. respect it. Um, Especially so, if you give an explanation. You're not just like, nah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, when we do, we, well, like we communicate a, a lot with the, with the people we're talking to and, uh, Sure. We'll usually not make an excuse, but just say like, nope, we're, we're not taking on that work anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I don't do that. Tim, Tim does that, but people, people seem right. to be totally cool with it. We, you know, for a long time, we just assumed people would be like, oh, I can't get my name in the head, back of the headstock. Well, fuck you. I'm going somewhere else. Cancel the order. Yeah. Or like, I'm not going to put my order in, uh, but people just move on. They'll just be like, okay, cool. Well, I'll get a tortoiseshell pick card instead. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I've been just, uh, doing batch work, but it's like, I'm still, I've still got stuff going on, on the axes and my, like the Haas is just outperforming it. And it's not just the machine, you know, I don't have to do tool changes and stuff like that. Like, uh, swap the tool set, which, you know, is much faster. And like the machine is, obviously faster but it also just like the, the the process palette system and vacuum and stuff like that but it's outperforming yeah. the axes machine so much that like like today i didn't even have the hoss on i'm like i'm right. i'm right. so backlogged on the stuff so we we're we're starting to you know we've migrated a, a lot more stuff over to the hoss um yeah so now i don't i don't have as much stuff that i do on the axes anymore but when i do it's like it's it's right now it's next and we're we're migrating that over. Um, but we want to well, also take this opportunity to to update um, the way we're building them. Um, right. So so it's going to be a bit of a slower process, and that's why we've sort of been holding off on doing it. But, well, but I mean, finding new bottlenecks is a sign of progress. It's true. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. The bottleneck is always shifting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing. That's always in a different place right now. It's like, it's that. And also because of production in the woodworking process has been going so fast, we have a backlog in assembly right. and finish. Right. So yeah, it's like, it, it, it really changes the the target of how many guitars or we think we can get out. It's like, Oh, well we could definitely make, you know, X amount 
but can we finish X amount right. of good tires? That's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It hasn't been all like rosy, you know. There's, <laughs> you know, dish just dish, dish, dish some shit. Come on, come on. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, it's just regular old stuff like sc- scrapping right. parts and or like uh, we made up some like uh, doing okay, doing batch work. Like we've talked about this, it's risky. Because yeah, if you make a mistake on one part, you make you could make a mistake on ten parts. So that happened today. More than likely, you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Was it ten bodies or something? Or? No, it wasn't that big. It was um, these uh, tortoise shell pickup rings that we make. Mm. Uh, so it really has nothing to do with the machining side of things. Uh, it's just the glue up process didn't go well. And it'd be one thing if it was, right. didn't go well on one part, but it didn't go well on like you know I don't know six parts. Luckily, it wasn't that big a batch, but well, you know, I'm trying and to like we're, uh, we're trying to get everybody over to the batch. Acetate's work. expensive, isn't it? Super expensive, and not that easy to get. You know, like the, that's another thing we've been right. having supply chain issues, and that's one of those things that's been harder to get. Um, right. and we're running low on it, so we're we're going to salvage these. We're mm-hmm. I'm, I've actually peeled. I, I've already started the process of, of salvaging them. You'll never know that there was an issue. Like it's not going to compromise right. the quality of the, the product. It's just rework. And this is one of the things it's like we, no matter what, and I think this is no, no matter how good you get at this stuff, there's always going to be some amount of rework. And that's just frustrating. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm a lot less hesitant to just throw shit out now. You know, mm. I used to try and rework every little thing. And now I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's going to take an hour. Yeah, no, I just, I have, a, I have a big, the drawer of shame. I just have a big <laughs> drawer full of shame. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fine. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'll fix this another, I, you know, I'll restart and I'll fix this another time. And then you never, yeah. Fix and it. then the next and then you time you change your like, process uh, entirely. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we, you know, the, okay. So another huge fuck up was I forgot to put a F hole into somebody's guitar. I thought they just weren't getting an, an F hole. We finished the guitar. Right. We're like, Hey, guitar is ready to ship. And he's like, well, where's my F hole? <laughs> like, oh, no. fuck. So it was one of those things well, where good we were thing like, you're used to, uh, machining them. them with the finish on and everything. Yeah, but it's bound. So we can't do that. It'll have to be refinished. So it was one of those uh, things where we're like, should we just start this guitar from scratch? And like sell it as is, mm. just, you know, because of a cool guitar uh, without the Eiffel. But uh, it's also kind of, it's like a pretty custom guitar. So, right. like, uh, yeah. Anyways, well, it's just like, you know, rem- it, it takes, takes time. That reminds me of one of my earliest resolutes, one of my friends. Um, very lovely guy. He insists on buying serial number eight of everything I make. Oh, okay. Is that like a lucky and number? The resolute. Or, I guess so, yeah. And is that a cultural thing? I don't think so. But unfortunately, with this one, I, I made two number eights. I did the serial, oh. same serial number on two knives. Yeah, he was he was like, really, man? Out of all of them, you had to be this one. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? What did you do with one of them? Well, there's two number eights in out in the world. Oh, okay. You just live with it. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where, like, I, you know, I'm not going to scrap a whole knife just because it has. You know, if I had accidentally done twenty number eights, then like that. Yeah. Probably, like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were very different looking knives, so it was it was fine. It is what it is. Yeah. This is number eight with the black handle, and this is number eight with the green handle. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I haven't made that mistake since. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like we made that mistake once years ago. Mm. So there probably are two guitars with the same serial number kicking out there, kicking around out yes, there. Yes, it, it happens, unfortunately. Um, so I've been, we've, we've talked about this a few times, but I've been running lights out uh, a lot the last little while. And as you know, yeah. like the biggest issue for running lights out is process reliability. You know, your tools have to last a known amount of time. You can't have like tools blowing up and stuff. And I've been having tools blow up. 
and you and I have been talking about this and I've been like, why is this happening? Like it's never used to happen. And, um, I've worked it out. I, I, I got to see it happen, which is one of those fun bits. So I think I said a couple of weeks ago that I saw one part of the process where I was actually like dropping a piece of material off. Like I was kind of like slotting down, dropping this piece off. And then sometimes there'd be just like a little tiny skin of material holding the off cut onto the main piece. And the tool would come to like cut it off. And rather than kind of deflecting away from the tool, it would deflect into the tool and then, you know, do some bad things to the tool. Um, so I fixed that. That was great. But then I came into the shop the other day and, and there was just a little stump where there should have been an end mill, you know? Mm. Um, and then I was like, fuck. So I changed all the tools and then I was just kind of watching it on the next run. And I got to actually see it happen in, in person. And I With just a brand new end mill. Obliterated. <laughs> brand new, uh, brand new end mill. Yeah. First run. Um, it was super interesting though. So basically what's happening is on the very first operation, I'm hard milling. So I'm doing like a high feed um, style pocketing. So I'm kind of stepping down in, into a pocket. Okay. And I have to go all the way through the material. So there's a cavity in the fixture underneath and the tool ends up like protruding into that cavity and, and cutting all the way through the, the stock. Right. But the problem is that the floor of that pocket actually um, cracks away from the main material and, and gets dropped out. Like it, it's not what I'm trying to do, but the material is like quite hard and brittle. So, and they're also very strong. So it's making this like floor of this pocket kind of break away. And then in some cases that, that piece of steel, you know, which is like an inch or three quarters of an inch wide and like two inches long. So it's like not small, but it's only like 10 thousandths of an inch thick. It's like shim stock, right? Right. Okay. It's actually getting picked up by the air blast and, pushed against the wall of the part in between uh, the part and the end mill. Yeah. And so I just, I just heard this like bang and I turned around and I could see this like bit of steel in that spot. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but that now I've, I've finally worked out what the last thing is that's causing those unexpected failures. And I fixed it with magnets. Oh, okay. So I just put, to just turning that into chips, changing the process. Um, well, the problem is, I'd have to go to like a um, high-speed machining style rather than a high-feed style to turn it into chips. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm doing high-feed and in some places and high-speed machining in the other is to spread out wear across different parts of the tool. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I could totally change it, but it would definitely decrease my tool life, which is not great. So all I did was took... You've seen those like flexible plastic magnets that you, you can like put on a a whiteboard or whatever. Sure, like a fridge magnet. move around as labels. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a bunch of those, so I took one of those, cut it to the right size for the, the kind of pocket in the underside of this fixture, and double-side taped it down so that now when that little, the floor of that pocket gets dropped out, it it, it sticks to the little magnet at the bottom. <laughs> it doesn't have a yeah. chance to get blown up by the tool. And the magnet's strong enough? Air blast. Oh, yeah, totally. But, but weak enough that I can still just vacuum all the chips out and everything right works great. oh yeah that's killer clever little so I was, uh, workaround. i was proud of that nice well and then also i was i was reaching through the pocket and using the top part of the flutes of the end mill because you know the closer you get to the, the spindle the more rigid the tool is so mm. generally if you have the space you reach through you know use the uppermost part of the flute in order to do the finishing of this pocket right. but i realized in doing that I was sometimes, you know, if the if the little bits of metal in the bottom there were kind of sticking up, the bottom of the tool would bring them up into the way as well. Oh, okay. So I changed it so that I'm just reaching through as much as I have to and haven't had a tool blow up or get unexpectedly chipped since then. And so. the finish is just as good? Yeah. Yeah, no worries at all. Is, it, is this a, um, is, this is inside the handle though? That's what I'm yes. picturing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't matter anyways. I mean, yeah. So it's the weight reduction pockets inside the handle. I mean, it doesn't matter because no one will ever see it. But if you grind the handle scales off one of my knives, the finish on the inside is just as nice as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Everywhere <laughs> else. I, should I suggest everyone do that and then buy another knife from Aaron. That, perfect. Thank you. 
So yes, that that's just one of those little things that I was kind of pleased about. And then, yeah, I've, I'm shipping a lot of knives this month by my. That's cool. At least. So what's yeah. um, uh, what's like? Do you do a shipping day, or do you just get them out as soon as you can? I just get them out as soon as I can. Yeah, nice. I'll just kind of go until I have a bunch of stuff ready. Um, not well. I'm not like stockpiling stuff. I just. You know, I just finished boxing up some stuff about an hour ago. Obviously, I'm not going to get a pickup now, so I'll just ship it tomorrow. And you said DHL is who you use? Yes, sir. Yeah. And I've been very happy with them so far. They've only lost one knife this year. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been happy with DHL as well. Um, they actually yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly... Oh, I was just going to say... You're going to lose some. Yeah, well, I mean, a small box like that, I guess it's it's a higher risk. If they lose some of our product, I'd be pretty uh, pissed. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, you put a huge amount of work into each one of those knives, but uh, yeah, I've yet to have them or anybody lose a guitar entirely, just temporarily, (laughs) knock on wood. Right. Yeah, my mine have always been cases of theft. You know, customers receiving oh. boxes that are empty, or I'll receive a box back. You know, on a return. And the, yeah, so who's stealing it? A DHL employee? Um, or a... uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it could be, or just someone in one of the warehouses or whatever. Right? That's crazy. What else are they stealing? That seems like a huge risk. <laughs> you know, you, well, yeah. I mean, I job. I do take some steps to kind of like anonymize what's in the package too. You know, like it could say Resolute Mark Three, whatever on the side, but instead it says like Brez Three. You know, like I don't. I use they probably think it's stuff like on the uh, outside. they probably think it's like some wireless headphones or something. Yeah, open it up. And like, <laughs> Sweet a hunting new knife. beats. <laughs> they just toss it in the bin. <laughs> I don't yeah. need a hunting knife. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I saw the other day that. That because uh, have you bought a 3D printer yet? Mm, no, no, you haven't. Did you see that Prusa announced that they they have a new printer? The big yeah, one? didn't we? Didn't we talk about? We it? talked about this last last week. Yeah, yeah I yeah. scoped. I scoped that. It looks looks killer. Are you going to okay, get one? But building on top of that, uh, we'll we'll see. We, we can talk about that in a minute. Mm. But building on top of that, they just released uh, or announced an automated print farm system. Okay. So you can set up a bunch of those um, like Prusa XL style printers in this like modular rack system. And then there's actually, they're accessible at the back via like um, doors so that you can hot swap them out. If there's an issue, you just like put in a spare and it just starts working. And then at the front of the system, there's like a gantry robot that uh, loads build plates and unloads finished parts. Oh, that's and you sick. just like They're set automated. up a queue. Yeah, you just set up a queue of parts, and the, the print farm goes to work, prints your parts, and then like dispenses them out of a slot in the front. Is this uh, available? Uh, it, I believe it's their like demo system right now. So they have one of the largest like three D printer farms in the world. I think like a lot of parts for Prusa printers are actually printed in their print farm, and they have like I think it's like. A thousand, more than a thousand printers. All right, let me look up the exact number. Um, but I think they're basically like taking that um, experience and trying to translate it into like a a more you know automated kind of system. I guess that's cool. I mean, it's interesting that they're yeah trying to because I mean when I think of the, like a, this style of printer, I think prototype or something like you know. Are a lot? Do you think a lot of people are right. using them for production parts? I mean, yeah, I've heard from numerous people that do use them for production parts. Um, awesome. Yeah, and depending on the filament that you're using, like the material that you're printing with, it, they can be really strong. Um, you know, so yeah, I can totally see. And they just keep getting better and cheaper. You know. Yeah, that's so awesome. Every year. Yeah, I can't wait very, to get one. Cool. You know what else I want now though is a pocket NC. Why? Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Why do you want one of those? I just think five axis is 
so cool. And I want what I really want is a five axis CNC. Um, right. But I just think they're, they're neat. They're cool. You wouldn't want one? They are. That's true. I mean, I don't think you're going to get the best finishes. I off want of one. Them. No. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of this website, but I found a website the other day that has like a pocket, you know, a made in China pocket NC clone for like 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. Nice. Because pocket NCs are like seven grand. Yeah, they're not cheap for what they are. You know who sells them? Who? McMaster Car. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. If you search CNC on McMaster, they don't obviously label who the manufacturer is, but right. they sell a five axis tabletop CNC milling machine in an aluminum case, which I've never seen before for Pocket NC, but it looks right. identical. Right. Of course it is. <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh, okay. Here it is. Let me, let me, uh, where is it? So there's a website called Robot Dig, which is um, kind of synonymous with like cheap CNC parts and and 3D printer, you know, crap. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? I saw it the other day on their website and I was like, are you serious? Like you can buy a five axis CNC machine for like 500 bucks. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah. $750. Okay. There you go. You found it before me. So if you want to. Uh, it's funny. If you search pocket NC, pocket NC, it comes up. That's what comes up. Ooh, uh, it, it's one that, of the that's options. a bit dodgy. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Um, I just, I know. I think it would, honestly, there's nothing I would make on it. I don't think that would be actually we, useful. A product that we sell. But right. I, I, this, I think it would just be really fun to have. Something I would want like, right. to have at home. In the, you know, in the same vein as so, a as a uh, 3D printer. Right. Something to play so, with. So thank you for this perfect segue because I do actually have in my notes here that, um, uh, which company was it? It was like one of the cheapish um, 3D printers. Oh, it was Creality. They, mm. I saw a video for some reason uploaded by Creality. It doesn't look like the machine's made by them though of a five axis 3d printer oh yeah okay which is super cool so it you know enables the printing of a lot of weird shapes without any supports um but like whoever's making this printer is like super into it because they've got um renishaw probing on this machine for both the nozzle and the part like you know so what you touch off the nozzle is yeah so is this a hobby? Like and somebody then, just made this for fun, or is it going to be a product? No, I have I have no idea. I, I know that multiple companies are working on five axis three D printing, but a lot of the ones that I've seen, they're not really using like a five axis CNC as the platform. They're more of a using like a um, an industrial robot, an industrial robot arm. Oh yeah, to yeah. Move the extruder, um, which is obviously going to be less accurate, much slower. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing looked pretty good. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the in the show notes. It it's a very very short video. It's but it looks very very cool to see five axis three D printing. Like five axis is the way of the future, man. Do you think you could use five axis? Like, would that help your product at all? Not really. I mean, even you know. So John Grimstone has a very beautiful five axis machine and uses it to make knives, but he's mainly using the five axis as positional more like or yeah almost like a horizontal machining center like he's got like little tiny tombstones mm-hmm. you know for for each of his processes um but there are definitely some bits where he's using the, the five axis to his advantage to get a you know a weird angle or something right um uh, they're just so cool i want one well so we talked last episode i was working i told you guys that i was working on a cnc control system yeah, and that it came is coming along like way faster than I thought it would. Um, I have I have the the little tiny microcontroller here on my desk hooked up to a closed loop stepper drive, um, and uh, a little Nemo seventeen stepper motor, and it'll it'll run it like 
it'll it'll actually do three axes simultaneously already acceleration and deceleration all that good stuff cool so what does the interface look like right now it's all just code so you just you know quickly write a bit of code saying like you know move from this position to this position and Mm -hmm. then uh, upload it to the board and it just runs but in the longer term basically it's going to be taking commands over serial so it'll be like a very simplified version of g-code um, and then there'll be another computer like a Raspberry Pi or whatever that takes standard G-code as the input and then kind of works through that and decomposes it into simpler G-code to feed to the the little computer. What will they like the screen? Will it be like a Windows sort of looking thing? Uh, it, no, it, it won't be running Windows because Windows is shit. It'll be running Linux. Um but more than likely, you won't see that. Uh, it'll just be like a, a touchscreen interface with some physical buttons, Nick. Physical buttons. I like those ones you twist, you know? Put those some of those in there for me. Yeah. It's definitely going to have an MPG. It's definitely going to have like access selection because I know you like that. That's my jam. Although I don't have it now. Yeah. We'll have a um, jog wheel. Know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where do you get a jog wheel? Oh, you can buy them all over the place. Easy. Tight. They, normally, they're called MPGs, manual pulse generators. Oh, so you already said that. Right. Yes. I just don't dummy, speak, so I to I don't speak the lingo. lingo. Yeah. Don't speak nerd. I know. I know yeah. Name. But yeah, I'm like, I'm super pleased with this thing so far. So like the entire code for this system would fit on like a single piece of paper in like a readable size font right now. Hmm. It's like literally maybe 120 lines of code. And the reason I'm able to write it clearly like that is because I'm running it on like a super high performance little microcontroller, which means I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to jump through a bunch of crazy hoops to make it do the things I need it to do. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's gonna be so uh, what's the first thing you're gonna control with it? Like, well, funnily enough, I realized, so one of the things that's been holding me up with doing the automated sandblasting cabinet was that I would need to make a control for it. You know, it doesn't need to be very complicated, but it has to be able to like home the machine, move the axes around. Well, I've accidentally built the controller for that. Perfect. <laughs> you know? Okay. So like, we're going to see some progress. Yeah, this'll, on the... this'll totally do it. Yeah. That rules. Yeah. And then... Um, a little bit down the road. So I'm going to have to push this off a bit just because of other stuff. But like basically part of my plan right now is next year is going to be the year of the moving to the country. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get out of the city, get my own shop. Um, the second I have space, I'm going to get another Fidal. Um, and that is going to become my test bed machine. So I'm going to basically tear it down. And the goal is that it will get you know, really powerful brushless AC servos on all axes. Uh, the counterweight will be removed from the head. The column will get filled with polymer concrete. Um, the Z-axis servo will have a brake on it so that it doesn't need the counterweight. And then uh, my CNC control system will get retrofitted into it. Nice. And then once that's proven to work, I'm hopefully going to be running my own CNC control on all of my CNC machines, making my own knives. Hell Yeah. You should put one on my axis. A little crazy, but oh fuck yeah, buddy! <laughs> yeah, I could improve that thing a ton for you. Yeah, um, um, and we could get rid of your little dinky tool changer and give you a wine rack tool changer, the whole length of one side of your machine. Yeah, I mean, in addition to the carousel, that'd be tight. Sure, but I mean, your those little tools are so small. If you just did a wine rack tool changer, you know, the whole width of the gantry get like 20 tools in that thing yeah so i could have 27 tools i wonder if the (laughs) the heavy um carousel on the one axis like the one side of the gantry uh fucks with it at all um probably not not enough to like cause issues but yeah for sure i mean there'll be like more torque load on yeah because it has, um, if I remember correctly, it's rack and pinion on both sides of the gantry, right? Yes. So, so in right, their control, so in the y-axis. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Two separate motors, one on each side, right? Yes, that's right. Right. So, you know, one of those motors will be the limiting factor because it's having to move, you know, it's it's putting up with more racking because there's mo- more momentum on one side. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we could do some pretty nasty stuff with that with some new brushless servos and stuff. Yeah, it's a good, It's a, honestly, it's a good little platform. Although, I, you know, yeah, shop yeah, totally. space is limited, and if I could, I'd put another Haas there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it might not be worth your time to do it, but for me, with the Fidals, you know, I, I've just, I've reached the, the limits of the machines. Right. And it's not a mechanical issue, it's really a software issue right um so rip it out make it better yeah i mean we've talked about it a lot but you know mm-hmm. working with what you got's a lot better than or potentially a lot better than dropping 150k on a new machine so yeah and a system like this you know if I was to go with somebody else's retrofit which was what I was planning to do originally one of the biggest issues with that is that you know five years down the line they go out of business and then my system breaks and i can't do anything about it you know i can't right. get parts or, or whatever um so like this system that i'm building i'm going to release it as open source even if i don't continue um maintaining it which i will but you know other people will probably end up using it um all of the parts will be like common off-the-shelf stuff you know there's there's not much to like there's not much that's going to become impossible to replace you know right um and that's a big thing yeah um well i have to do some uh maintenance on my hoss i don't have to replace any parts but i know that there are they are readily available which is handy but um Mm -hmm. no i just i I need to do some yearly maintenance on it i feel like uh i I want to take the way covers off and just peek inside see how much how much dust is in there too much wood dust there's definitely going to be some but I'm like, I have no yes, idea. Because you guys use like the air blast and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've been making more dust since we've started using like more three flute tooling. Um, right. And then I need, so I was talking to somebody else who's got, uh, a v, they have a VF4, two VF4s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also run wood. Like they make guitars and they make met right. they make aluminum components and they make wood components so he was he was saying like oh the you know people like the my hfo was like all anxious about me cutting wood and he was like eh, people just like they group wood in with graphite right yeah it's not the same shit uh grinding um but uh right. yeah he was saying that he just keeps keeps the tool changer clean I think the tool changer arm specifically and keeps the, mm-hmm. the, the taper clean. Um, but uh, I don't even, I don't think he's taken his white covers off to look in there. He was like, Oh, they've got, they've got bl- like wiper blades, <laughs> but I see the wood going under. Yeah. I see the dust going under the wiper blade. So, well, I wouldn't be too worried about that. It's the issue is that the white covers are open on the bottom. Right, We're, like they're they're closed off on the top, but usually, pretty much always, from my knowledge, the the bottom of them is open. So if you're like blowing a lot of dust around, then the dust will just kind of go up underneath. Right, 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 right. Right. I actually, yeah, I don't know. I haven't poked my head under there. I didn't think they were open. Yeah, I mean, you didn't think they were? No. Well, I'll, I'll get a mirror. Five bucks, they are. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, you should probably make it a high priority to get better dust collection in the machine. I mean, yeah, it's very easy to not do that just because it's a pain in the ass or whatever. But like, you know, it really does just reduce the likelihood of any other types of issues by so much. Yeah, yeah, just collecting it at the source. Yeah, yeah, I know it's on my it's on my to do list. I mean, now that I'm using it a lot, so much more, you know, like three months ago, mm-hmm. it wasn't getting nearly as much use. So now I'm making a lot of, yeah, making a lot of dust. I'm like filling the, the, the machine with wood chips. Right. 
How is the um? Because you've got a chip auger, right? Is it is the chip auger working to get most of it? I out? almost never run it while I'm, you know, machining, because the well, not that much dust gets they like in the chip auger cavity. Let's call it. Um, right. It gets everywhere, and it's all over the the bed of the machine. What do you call that? Like all the um, like you know, the floor, pan. the floor, the chip pan. Yeah. It covers that, but it doesn't like you know. There's no coolant washing it down. It right. just stays there. So I, at the I usually you know halfway through the day, if I'm making a lot of chips, or at the end of the day, I'll turn the chip auger on, brush all the chips down that way, leave it for five minutes. It'll fill up the you know. It'll start pumping wood chips into the garbage can. Uh, it it takes all the wood chips that are in the auger area. Moves them up, and then I'll have to come back, brush the chips back over. You know, probably be faster, honestly, to just use a shovel or a or, vacuum. Well, you could use a vacuum, but then you get, like it's a lot of dust, like a lot of chips, some dust. Yeah. And so now we're just emptying a vacuum constantly. Like it's just it honestly well, just you need like a a, a um, sure, but still, I mean, like I'm filling up, I'll fill up like a garbage can a day. Yeah, that's fine. I could, or I, I could actually, just um, take I, a um, like a, a dustpan and use that as a shovel mm. and be done in like two minutes. But I, <laughs> I haven't even done that. I just, I just run the chip auger, walk away. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have to do any of that if you had uh, dust collection at the source. If it's good enough, perhaps. Pick everything up. I wonder. I wonder how good I could get the dust collection if it just get if it would collect everything. You need to be full three sixty around. Right, you've seen the graphite machines. Like, it's totally possible to collect everything. If, yeah, if I actually haven't crazy like, enough. About I know it. that, um, like, Makino makes them. Um, but oh, I, they, I, they're nuts. Like the I haven't seen the vacuum system. The vacuum like system. Half the size of the machine. Yeah, yeah, they've got like a full dust collector. Yeah. Yeah. So, where do you um, oh, do? They yeah, have videos very, very of that. Cool. I want to see that. Uh, they. Do I can't remember where I saw it though, but it was like they're using air blast to clear the graphite out of the cut, and then it like the graphite doesn't travel in a straight line. You see it like curving and going straight into like the wall of the machine where there's like a huge dust intake, and it's just like oh, gone. That's what I need. Yeah, like um, cut like on uh, either side of the Z axis uh, Mm. way covers, just like big dust port like ducts that'd be sick yeah i mean that wouldn't be too hard it wouldn't have to be on the oh on the enclosure of the machine you mean right like left and right of the z-axis way cover yeah 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 just on like against the wall yeah that'd be easy have you seen um lockline make giant bendy yeah yeah, uh, yeah. vacuum things i had them sitting in my chuck a couple of those in there i had them sitting in a cart for a while and never pulled the trigger mm. yeah i know i've got two door like dust duck like ducts running from my dust collector one goes to the back of the machine one goes is right above the machine i and I, i've only got one of them hooked up so it would it would be right. an afternoon to do it yeah well do it i don't have an afternoon i gotta go to the dentist tomorrow <laughs> that's my afternoon <laughs> oh boy yeah. Um yeah, the other day when I was uh I was coming home on I think it was Sunday night, I was so tired after after work. I um I nearly put deodorant on my toothbrush. Oh. What kind like what stick deodorant? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, you know, uh, yeah. toothbrush in one hand. I was like, I gotta brush my teeth. And I was like, That's why, that's why isn't good. it working? <laughs> I've a number of times used oh, my Almost two year olds toothpaste, which is like bubble gum flavored. <laughs> I'm mean, like, wow, mm. what the fuck? But never deodorant. Well, my ex used to brush her dog's teeth with this malt flavored toothpaste and she would leave it in the bathroom. Uh, and yeah, there's definitely a couple of close calls with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it smelled really good though. Okay. I'll give it that. Yeah. They do say dogs' mouths are cleaner than humans. So uh, I'm just saying, just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I did. I, I gave myself a Christmas present the other day, which I'm very excited about. You'll have to come over and try it out at some point. But I've gotten into over the course of this year, I've gotten into um, sim racing. So, you know, driving simulated cars oh. very fast into walls nice. at, at times. What kind of cars? So I have, uh, I'm, I'm into rally driving for the most part. I have a friend that's really into track racing. So he does like Formula One style racing, that yeah, kind of stuff. Cool. And they, they're both fun. The track racing, you really kind of zone out. You get into like a groove, you know, you know where your like braking zones are. Right. And you're just trying to carve out, you know, a break one meter later get your get your gear changed just a tiny bit better you know whereas with rally it's like fuck knows what's over the next corner you know <laughs> hold on to your pants and be ready to react yeah and they'll, they they're like uh rallies like the the course will be like a just a 90 degree turn out of nowhere right yeah or a 180 degree turn yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely there's some crazy yeah. shit yeah those courses well, and the craziest thing about rally is the professional rally drivers they get to do um, like a convoy pass. So they and their co-driver and all the other drivers will do, um, you know, like a slow speed uh, pass through the stage. They get to see it once and then they have to drive it at full speed. Yeah, that's nuts. They don't get to practice. But their co-driver has to like go through, make notes as they do their, you know, oh, this is a fast left-hander. This is a slow right-hander. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. that's like the navigator. And then they have to just go in and, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So when you're doing sim, do you have that? Like, uh, yes, yeah. Sim for sim rally, you have a co-driver. Cool. Is it a like person yep. that you're a team teammate with, or is it a? Uh, you can actually do that. You can actually do that. Yeah, but usually it's um, like a computer generated right. co-driver. Um, but yeah, so I, a couple of years ago, I bought um, inexpensive secondhand wheel that has like force feedback so it'll you know if you hit something the, the steering wheel is like turning in your hands um and then one of my friends it let me try his one out which is a much higher grade of wheel and they're, they're good enough these days that when you're driving on a track i don't know if you've ever seen they have those like red and white rumble strips on the apex of of corners right and on his wheel when you when you put a wheel over one of those rumble strips you actually feel the individual bumps in the oh, steering crazy. Um, so I ended up buying the, the one step above his wheel. Um, huh. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I'm waiting for it to come in in January. But this thing, I, the reason I was kind of thought it was funny for this show is that um, if you have a look at the really expensive sim racing wheels, so you can spend three grand, four grand, whatever. On a, I didn't, but you can totally spend three or four grand on the steering wheel. And that doesn't even come with an actual steering wheel. It's just like the thing that the steering wheel attaches to. So right? where do you get a steering wheel? Do um, you use like a proper real steering wheel? Or do you have to buy like you can? a... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They they make ones that are like, you know, set up or ready to go. Or you can, you know, use one out of a real car. But then you have to get like an adapter and all that kind of stuff. But they're basically just... Like the, the system that gives you the force feedback and that takes your input, like that the wheel actually attaches to, is called the wheelbase. And that thing in the high-end rigs is basically just a big fucking brushless industrial servo. Huh. Like, and when I say big, I mean like three or four horsepower. Like that wow. thing has a whole bunch of really smart um, software attached to it so it doesn't break your fucking arms <laughs> like <laughs> and basically they need all of that power so that they can you know when you're driving a car yeah. and you you hit a clip an apex or something it needs to be able to like you know give you that feedback of the the steering system back into your hands right um of a one ton or so two, yeah the, two the ton system, car i don't know how much does a car weigh yeah but, exactly but yeah like a lot a little servo yeah. wouldn't wouldn't do the trick. So the system that I bought is a a medium sized servo. It has eight newton meters of torque, which is quite a lot. That's as much as the um, servo motors that run my fidals on, on huh. each of the axes. That's have, cool. Have about that much torque. So now you have a backup yeah, servo. Yeah. So just in case. There you go. Exactly. But that is going to be so much fun. I'm really, really looking forward to trying that out. So that was my my one present to myself for this year. 
Nice. You deserve it. Thank you, sir. I bought yeah, myself it's been a some bit of a... pajamas. Which not really is exciting. I bought myself some new socks the other day if you want to talk about exciting. Ah, that's <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I'm into these days. When it's I'm just been one of those years. Older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just been one of those years where like yeah, the business has been fine, but I'm not exactly like buying a new car or anything. Right. <laughs> you bought a steering buy wheel. Buy myself a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can't I even buy myself a you don't even have a license. <laughs> Well, that's why that's why I've got the sim rig. I can practice. Yeah. Now, when the the driving instructor's like, "Oh, okay, do a uh, parallel park," I can, you know, chuck on the handbrake, drift right into the yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right into the parking spot. Yeah, yeah. Here, do a three point Drop turn. How mic. about a zero point turn? Itch. Yeah. How about a handbrake turn, yeah. buddy? Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll cause me to fail my. What if? Test. I mean, no. As long <laughs> as you don't touch the curb, that's the rule. Mm. Okay, I'll have to learn all the rules so that I can uh, abuse the spirit of the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Find all the loopholes. <laughs> uh, cool. Let's yeah. run. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be fun. It's it's one of those things, like, I think it's only tangentially related, but I, I know that there's a bunch of people listening that are into motorsports, I'm sure. And um, motorsports are hilariously expensive. So sim racing is a fantastic way to get into them without remortgaging your house. Yeah, true. Uh, It would be cool to have a car that you could take to the track. Like, it wouldn't have to be crazy. Yes. Like, you could just have, like, a Subaru. I am actually planning to build a track car once I have a a bit more space. Because, yeah, as you said, like, you know, for for your your daily driver car where you, you absolutely have to, you know, be able to, you know, drive to see your mom or, or something. You don't want that to be breaking down all the time. But for a tracker, who cares? Yeah. Just buy some, you know, $2,500 junker and it doesn't matter if you accidentally, you know, put it into a wall or something. Yeah. Good to go. Um, yeah, you're, you're probably are a bunch of car people who listen to this. Machinists seem to like cars, bikes, or guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I like all Or three. knives. Bikes probably the least. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of guns, I actually did see um, there's a YouTube channel that I love called Forgotten Weapons, uh, which is presented by Ian, colloquially known as Gun Jesus. Mm. Um, <laughs> like Jesus, get it? Oh, okay. Um, and there's this company called Laugo Arms that introduced a new handgun called the Alien. Sick. And it's just super cool to see like the inside of this thing because it's it's very unusually made. Like it has a very unusual operating mechanism and design, and the machining on it is beautiful. And this is a five thousand dollar handgun, by the way. Okay, is that exp- that's not a that's very know. expensive. Okay, how much is a yeah. not an expensive handgun? How much can you? How little can you spend to buy a handgun? Like one hundred and fifty bucks. Oh wow. So yeah, this thing's designed mainly for um, competition shooting. So if you're a high speed, low drag, you know, ipsic shooting or something like that, very very fancy competition shooting, then you know maybe you buy one of these guys. Right. They look very very cool. I've always found firearms super interesting because they're very mechanical. Sure. Yeah. And they have to operate, you know, this thousands of pounds of pressure, you know, thousands of psi inside the the barrel of one of those things, and it has to be like reliable and you can pack it full of mud and it'll still operate and you know very, yeah they're just interesting yeah they are yeah and shooting guns is, is kind of fun i'm not like that into guns but i remember sh- shooting guns at camp was fun <laughs> yeah i'm not sure you get to do that anymore but uh, yes uh, they're scary fun. they are scary though i will say well they should be scary <laughs> they're supposed to be scary yeah i guess i'm <laughs> at least kind there. of you're supposed to respect them Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely cool. Cars also, though, like the um, inner workings of a, a car. That's something I have. I would love to know more about, especially owning a car and not mm-hmm. wanting to be uh, taken advantage <laughs> of by a mechanic. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, I grew up in a family full of petrol heads. And my grandfather was um, a rally driver. 
um, built his own rally cars and dune buggies and stuff. Cool. Um, my my dad has had more cars than birthdays. Whoa. Quite literally. But he's never bought a new car. Uh, and so he's had some crazy cars, man. Like we had, you know, <laughs> and, like looking back on it, it's super cool. But man, nothing makes you stick out at school more than when your dad drives you to school in his in his Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. But like people don't realize, you know, he bought that Rolls Royce for 12 grand. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like a hundred thousand dollar car, <laughs> but they're just so interesting. So, you know, did, like uh, he, I was just going to ask you, like, so what does he have any machining background, like a, a machining background? N- no, like he, he can fabricate stuff. He can weld, okay. he can, you know, use but a little lathe, whatever. Yeah. He's got like a, he, like he could run a bridge port or something like that. Like, does he make parts for the cars? He's yeah, so like not a, off the shelf kind of parts. I'm guessing. <laughs> well, that, see, that's the problem. There's, there's a good saying with this kind of thing is there's nothing more expensive than a cheap luxury car. Okay. Because, you know, yeah, you get the car for cheap because the person that has it can't afford to maintain it anymore. Right. You know, like the, the parts are expensive. Um, so yeah, no, he, he couldn't make parts for that car. It was, um, uh, Rolls Royce silver shadow from the late seventies, I think. And he took it to a specialized mechanic at one point. And the guy was like, are you aware that two of the three brake systems have failed? Ooh, that's scary because apparently, well, but apparently, cause these things were made for, you know, rich and important people. So it yeah. had three redundant brake systems. It had a hydraulic brake system, a mechanical brake system, and then an electric brake system or something. Okay. So and, that's and unusual. Two of the three had failed. Yeah, well, that's oh, what the third unusual. one. That's what the third no one's there for. One. Yeah, exactly. But that thing was crazy. It had a seven and a half liter aluminum block V eight in it. But like, the car weighed so much that it was still slow as hell. <laughs> right. Nice. This thing because <laughs> looks... of all the, the walnut burl. Oh yeah, holding it down. That's beauty. Yeah, it was a stupid car. But yeah, he's owned a lot of cars like that that are like hilariously impractical, very inexpensive because they were, you know, getting long in the tooth or they were, you know, all sorts of stories that I'd hear from him about someone was like selling this car cheap because quote unquote, it's broken. And then he would like, you know, change the alternator or something and it would just, <laughs> it'd be fine. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's had some some crazy cars so that that definitely runs in my blood for sure cool well once you get your property in a car you can start fucking around with it <laughs> yes i come i i say that and then it is very amusing that i don't have my license right something about you being an immigrant though maybe you like uh i don't know uh did you ever feel like you could get a license here do you know what I mean? Like well, you, okay. you so, only just got your temper your um, permanent residency, right? No, I've had my permanent residency for quite a while. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. um, yeah. So I, I have like hundreds of hours logged um, for in, of driving in Australia. I've had my driver's license since I was sixteen years old. I actually, I literally still have a val- um, sorry, a learner's permit since I was sixteen years old. I literally still have a valid Australian learner's permit. I've had it for like twenty years. <laughs> Um, but you can, for some reason, they let you renew them indefinitely and they last for 10 years. So <laughs> I've literally had my learner's permit for 20 years and it's still valid. Maybe you'll get your, um, your, your real license there one day. Seriously. Well, so I have owned a car. I, I bought a car, a project car when I was 16 and, and I bought it for $400 and I was working on it for quite a while there. Huh. Um, and I left Australia on the day that I was supposed to take the test to get my full license. Really? That's hilarious. So how yeah. old were you? Uh, it's twenty-one. Wow. And then, and then, in, just in Canada, the you know, I, in Toronto, you're living in the city. You know, getting insurance on a car here is like five hundred bucks a month. Like, yeah, what's, the, what's the point? So I just, what's the rule? Like, never did it. If I move to Australia, could I get a license, or would my license transfer? What the is that? Yes. Work? Yes, it would. So, yeah, if I had taken my full license test in Australia and oh, then moved here, I could have just gotten funny. a full license. From that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit stupid. Well, it's... Uh, it is what it is. It's not that hard to get. I'm sure it'll be fine. 
You can borrow my car if you need to. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, do you need it back in one piece? <laughs> uh, yeah, no drifting. Ah, uh, uh, god damn it. I shouldn't have asked. The snow tires, I don't think, will help with then- that. There are ways. Uh, so yeah, well, there's not a whole lot else been going on. There's, there's been some space stuff, but nothing terribly exciting. Um, Mark, uh, Mark got a Tesla whistle. Is that a te- what a Tesla whistle? Yeah, yeah. Haven't you heard about these? No. Okay, it's, fill me in. Well, I don't know much about it. He just sent me a picture. He's got a Tesla whistle. The cyber, sorry, cyber whistle, cyber truck whistle. Okay. Uh, okay. What? Yeah. Anyways, he, he's trying to figure out how it was made. He thinks maybe it was cast. Um, oh, wow. But, this uh, is, yeah. Google this it. I don't thing. I honestly, I don't know what else to tell you about it. It's a fucking, it's whistle. 50 bucks and it's sold out. Inspired by the Cybertruck, the mm-hmm. limited edition cyber whistle is a premium collectible made from medical grain stainless steel with a polished finish. The whistle includes an integrated attachment feature for added versatility. Final sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just does this shit I don't know if I would... To raise cash. Absolutely. 100%. But I mean, I, I don't know if I would call that a polished finish. It's not that um, nice looking on the photo. Thing. Yeah. But let's nitpick. And it's definitely cast. I can see some... Uh, Sand casting residue on the inside of the yeah the hole there. I'm gonna have to ask Mark if it looks as bad as it does in these photos. It, you know what, man? I appreciate that they don't take themselves too seriously. You just you know sell some shit, make make a you know a couple hundred grand, yeah, whatever. Fucking whistle. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not really hurting anybody. No, no. It comes in a nice box. It's like the um, we have it. So Mark also bought us true. a Tesla hard drive. That's what we used to transfer files onto the CNC onto the Haas. Oh, like a USB drive? Yeah, yeah, a Tesla USB drive. He's <laughs> oh a God. he's a fanboy. So are these right? Are these all things uh, you know Tesla related for people that can't buy a Tesla? Maybe is that, is that yeah. what the deal is? Might be. Oh, I, I see on their website that you've sent me to. They have an apparel section. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So get you yourself can get a, nice a, a hoodie onesie. Yeah. Do that, does one of them say my other car is a Tesla? Uh, it says um, made on Earth by humans. <laughs> Ooh, uh, look at this. The cyber quad. Oh, yeah. That's a little four wheeled ATV electric dirt bike for kids. Oh, hell yeah. But it, like it goes, it actually it's out of stock. It's nineteen hundred dollars. It'll sure. do fifteen. It has fifteen miles range, ten miles an hour. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean it look it looks dope. I I would ride that to work. Yeah, that's fucking that's fucking sweet. <laughs> that's okay. What's this? A mini Tesla? Oh, you can get like Hot Wheels Teslas. <laughs> okay, everyone just go to the oh Tesla God, website man. and explore, so we don't yeah waste yeah, we're, your time we're, we're, just talking about all this shit on Tesla's yeah. website. Oh my God, um, dude! I didn't know this was a thing. It's stupid. Bob, oh, and people fucking they'll buy anything these people make. <laughs> uh, why not? Right? Like, that's great. You get Maybe all of the incredible brand. Yeah, uh-huh. you get all of the the kind of extra revenue that you need and. Yeah, they should sell batteries. Why don't they sell batteries? I would buy, you know, a couple of the 4685 batteries or whatever they are, the new ones. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't. Make me a battery. You know that they just were in a board meeting. They're all like, to Elon, they're like, we need to sell merch. And he was like, a four-wheeler. Yeah, merch. (laughs) Belt buckles. Yeah, well, it looks like they're having fun with it. So Mm. why not? All right. Um, I am bushed. I know you are bushed too. Well, I got to get back to work. I've got lots of work still to do. Yeah, uh, I got to keep all my fingies attached, though. So, yeah, and I think this will be our last episode for the year, right? I guess so. It's the fifteenth. We've really ended it on a um, important note. Yeah, Tesla merch and um, it's funny because I have like 
15 things I wanted to, I was like, I put on my list to talk about. (laughs) I think we talked about like two Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, that's fine. Lots of, you hear that everyone? We've got lots of exciting CNC related stuff to talk about in the new year. Yes. Uh, Cool. Cool. (laughs) All right. Plus we all work too much. It can't all be work. Have to have some fun and games every once in a while. So yes. uh, Thank you for joining us for all this year. Thank you for listening to Nick's voice. At least yes. you didn't have to look at his face like I do. Oh. <laughs> uh, love you all. We will speak to you next year. Alrighty. See you, buddy. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.